What's up, everybody? We're back again for a Cash Medi podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we're going to get into some Detroit Lions talk. They got a new head coach, new general manager. Uh, they've agreed that they're going to part ways with Matthew Stafford. And we'll get into some Padre talk with getting Joe Musgrove and signing Profar. Let's start with the Super Bowl matchup. Tampa Bay versus Kansas City. Um, I think Tampa Bay is is somewhat, I think, gotten lucky. I think they've beaten two teams that they're not better than. I think the Saints are better than them. And I think Green Bay is better than them. Definitely Green Bay, in my opinion, is better than them. Maybe the Saints are because the Saints quarterback, Drew Brees, is just done. He's toast. Uh, he, he, I mean, Drew Brees lost that first game in the divisional playoff game. I mean, that was just one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Just god-awful performance by Drew Brees. It was actually embarrassing. Um, even with that said, I think if Cook doesn't fumble, I think the Saints win. So Tampa Bay's front seven has been phenomenal in the playoffs. Devin White is everywhere. I mean, he's making t- tackle after tackle, uh, big play after big play. I don't care what PFF thinks of him. PFF can suck my dick. They fucking suck at their grading system if they think Devin White is no good. That guy's only in his second year, and he looks like one of the best defensive players in the league. He is phenomenal. Now, look, they got a really good front four. Sue helps. You know, inside, Vita Vey, you know, played a little bit today. Vita Vey wasn't there against the Saints, so you can't say he, he was helping out Devin White in that game. I mean, it, that front seven just completely dominated the Packers O-line. I mean, some guy in my periscope today was like, a Packers O-line's not good. Yeah, today it wasn't good because you got Bakhtari or whatever. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Bakhtari, whatever. He's the best left tackle in football. I mean, shit. You don't have the fucking best left tackle in football. Yeah, it's going to hurt your O-line. Rick Wagner, He's played well this year. I don't know how. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, in Green Bay, I think you're allowed to hold a little more. Like, in Detroit, that's always called holding. Like, TJ Lang had two holding penalties in his entire career in in Green Bay. He comes to Detroit his first season. He has four. Um, Kind of weird how that worked out. But Wagner, you're going to have to help Wagner. And when your left tackle's gone, you got to have to help him. So it was like, which one do you go help? Well, both of them are getting abused that whole game. Barnett and JPP were just kicking their ass. Uh, Rodgers, I had some guy on my periscope tonight telling me Rodgers isn't any good and this and that. I mean, that's just a complete and utter joke. Rodgers is phenomenal. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, honestly. I know he's an all-time great. And people, people are going to bash Rodgers. Like, they're going to be like, he's been to one Super Bowl, like, in his entire career, whatever. I don't know how many years he's been in the NFL. It's got to be close to 15 or 13, 14 years. And he's only been to one Super Bowl. Yeah, with Mike McCarthy as your head coach. Um, look, if Green Bay, I don't know what Green Bay was thinking, taking Jordan Love with a first-round pick. If you take a receiver there, I mean, you might win this game. If you take a, a cornerback, you know, uh, to play instead of uh, King in the first round, you might win that game. I think Green Bay was the better team. I don't know how you watch that game and think Tampa Bay was better. But Tampa Bay won. Like, you got to give credit. Brady, 
Brady had a phenomenal first half. I, th- I was like, fuck, dude, he, he's throwing BBs. Like, the first drive, he's throwing BBs. It was always like third and seven, third and eight. And I'm like, this is exactly the situation you want to put Brady in. He's not going to, at his age, I was like, he's not going to m- make these big-time throws in this weather. And he did in the first half. The second half, he was god-awful. He throws three interceptions. I don't think the Lions have won a game in, in the history of Stafford's career when he throws three interceptions. So it's funny how people kind of rate or, or 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 judge quarterbacks. It's always like on wins and stuff. Brady helped the Pack or Buccaneers win today. I'm not saying he didn't. He made big plays. He made some big throws in the game. The Scotty Miller touchdown was huge right before the half. He throws a dime. Like he's open, but he he put it right in the breadbasket. Um you know, you go for it on fourth and three. A lot of coaches punt there. I mean, honestly, that's probably the the game right there. That that I mean, gave him a huge lead. What was the lead at half? Uh, 21-10 or something? I mean, that gave him a huge momentum. Most people are just punting, and you're going to be up 14-10 at half. And you won by five. So, yeah, that was huge. I feel bad for Rodgers in a way because, I mean, that offense is so balanced. They can run the ball. Like, most of these teams can't run the ball that are in the playoffs. Like, the Chiefs don't run the ball that well. The final four teams, I felt like only one of them can really are, are a good running team, and that was the Packers with Aaron Jones and, and Dylan and that old line. I think the Packers have one of, if not the best offensive line in football. Now, their left tackle is out, and that, that's huge because I think he's the best left tackle in football. But for all the season and most of the playoffs – or not most of the playoffs, but for most of the season, you had, you know, the best O-line in football. Now it it changes. It's it's harder to play quarterback when your O-line isn't that good. Um, They could have used another receiver, though. So I I don't know what the Packers are going to do. I saw all these reports that maybe Aaron Rodgers wants out or this and that. I mean, I don't see how you get rid of a guy. I mean, you... You've gone to -to back-to-back NFC Championship games. Now, you got your ass kicked against the 49ers. (coughs) You weren't really competitive in that game. But to me, you were the better team tonight against Tampa Bay. It's just a lot of things went against you. You had the 39 early in the game, and Brady just throws up a prayer, and Godwin comes down with it. I mean, he probably comes down with that play less than 30% of the time. And if that's incomplete, all of a sudden you're getting the ball. One play later, Fournette scores a touchdown at the 20-yard line. Like, I mean, that's just unfortunate. You got, um, you know, a holding, non-holding call. Uh, you get an interception. You score seven off of that, like right before the half. I mean, that's I mean, that's huge, man. You get that holding penalty, there's a good chance the Packers go down and kick a field goal. That's almost like a 10-point non-call there. I mean, there's a good chance. You can't just say, yeah, the Packers would have gone down. I think it was around the 45-yard line. I mean, but it was holding. It was P.I., and they didn't call it. Um, what else was there? You got a drop two-point conversion. Um, it just feels like everything went Tampa Bay's way in that game. I don't think Tampa Bay was better. I don't want to discredit Tampa Bay. Front saving came to play. Um, you know, give him all the credit. I just don't like how Brady's getting like all the credit on the game. It just doesn't, the guy threw three interceptions. Like in this day and age, three interceptions is like throwing four or five when I was growing up because 
Nobody, you don't really throw interceptions nowadays because it's it's almost like flag football up there. It's like it's like seven on seven. It's a joke. You touch anyone's pi. They let them play today, so it was a little bit different. They let a lot of holding get away. That you know, like Seattle used to do in the playoffs with the Legion of Boom, a lot of holding, and it just wasn't called like in the playoffs. And I mean, okay, have it both ways. But if you're going to do that bullshit, then, then how do you call that last one? I mean, it was definitely pass interference, you know, the, the play that sealed the game. But it just seems like Tampa Bay got away with a lot of holding and Green Bay, for their sake, didn't. Now, you might say, well, you just had money on Green Bay. That's why you were rooting for him and blah, blah, blah. Dude, I call it how it is, man. Green Bay has been getting calls for, for decades. Uh, Brett Favre, like in the early 90s. Ever since Brett Favre became like one of the all-time greats, they just started getting calls. And they've been getting calls since. So they've been getting calls for over 20 years. So honestly, I don't want to hear Packer fans complain because you, you've been getting calls for years, for fucking years. Never get holding penalties on your offensive line. And you always get bullshit, you know, pass interference calls or never holding on your defense. So I don't want to hear you really complain. Today, I think you got screwed what have you? You still could have won the game. As far as Matt Lafleur not going for it at the four, or at the nine yard line, you're a fucking idiot. I, I I have no idea how you don't go for it there at the nine. Like if you don't have a good quarterback and you got Jared Goff or something like that, maybe 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 you don't go for it in that situation. Maybe you punt. You say I got a, an elite defense. I I or not punt, kick the field goal, and you say I got an elite defense and I could get the ball back. But the Packers' defense has been the weak point of their team, especially their front seven. Secondary is actually pretty good. Just, I mean, King got roasted today, but Alexander's a fucking stud. He's got to be a top-five corner. He, he's amazing. Um, I mean, who, who thought they were going to get the ball back? They had a chance. I mean, it was a third and what? Four, third and six? You get a PI call. I mean, you would have had a chance, but you would have gotten the ball back with what? 120, 115, no timeouts. I mean, I don't know. That's hard because you got to get a touchdown. It's not like, oh, we just kick a field goal. Yeah, sure. Field goal, yeah. You, you would have gotten that. Um, Rodgers, I thought, fucked up on a third and nine. I thought he could have I thought he could have at least got to the three, two-yard line if he would have ran the ball, and he threw it. And then if you're inside the five, you're definitely going for it from there. But I see a lot of people giving LaFleur some shit. I never thought LaFleur was a good hire, but he's actually been a really good coach. I mean – he had two years in a row. What I don't know what their record was this year, but at least 12 wins, 13 wins again. They were the one seed, uh, two seed last year, I believe. Two NFC Championship games back-to-back. He doesn't seem like a good head coach as far as stuff, but he is very balanced on offense. They are very balanced. To me, they have the best offense I've seen in a while. I would like to know what they what they average points per per possession, I would I would assume it leads the league because, yeah, the Chiefs and the Bills might score more points per game, but that's because they, they throw more chunk plays and throw it down the field. It, it is just so hard to stop that, that Packer offense. And like I said, if the left tackle played, I think it would have been a different game. But moving to the Chiefs-Bills game, it never really was a game. I felt like the Chiefs were always in control. I mean, you get a muff punt basically a gift seven points and you still get blown out the bills have a lot of things to look forward to i know a lot of charger fans are giving 
oh, Brian Dable sucks and this and that. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, he fucking sucks. Who on that offense, honestly, who on that offense besides Diggs is a really good offensive player? Josh Allen is. Josh Allen's a great quarterback, sure. Singletary, I mean, there's probably 40 to 50 running backs that are better than him. They have no running game. Diggs is a top 10 receiver. I don't think he's a top five. He's about a top 10 receiver. Uh, Knox is okay. I mean, he ain't no top 10 tight end. He ain't no top 15 tight end. Um, Beasley's okay for a slot receiver. He's fine. They don't even have like a number two on the outside. What, what Brown goes deep and, and the kid from Central Florida, Davis, he's okay. But it's basically just Josh Allen making plays and Brian Dable, in my opinion, calling great plays. Um, I thought Josh Allen ran into a lot of sacks today. He's young. He's only in his third year. He tries to make the big boy play. Sometimes it's just, but it's just tough when you don't have a running game. And I've seen that in Detroit being a Lions fan where homeboy had to score close to 40 points today, score over 35, and he had no running game and basically no defense to slow him down. That is so tough to beat a team. That is so tough. You know, um, he got it. Like I said earlier, he got a gift touchdown. Uh, you know, you get the muff punt. You get this easy seven. You go up nine nothing. It should be ten nothing. Um, they got inside the ten or inside the twenty, and dudes are kicking field goals. Like stop, stop kicking field goals. You don't have a chance kicking field goals. You're not winning the game. Fucking tw- uh, twenty three to uh, you know twenty. You got to score thirty five. Someone put like, hey man, you get you. I think someone put on Twitter, like, yeah, I agree with you. You have to go in the mindset saying you got to score 35. Yeah, your mindset has to be we have to score 35. So you get anything past the 30-yard line and it's like less than fourth and five, five or less, you got to go for it, dude. You have to go for it. Field goals aren't doing anything. If you took every drive and you said we're getting a field goal, I think the Chiefs would sign up for that. They'd be like, sure. I mean, I don't know. What do you have, eight drives in a game? Nine drives, that's 27 points, somewhere around there. I mean, they're going to they're gonna beat you. Let's say you had 10 drives, that's 30 points. They're going to beat you. I mean, uh, you have to get touchdowns. So there was one before the half. I guess you could kick the field goal there, so at least you have some momentum going into the half. Saying we got points instead of, okay, we don't get any points, and it's, I think, 20 to nine, 21 to 9 or 20 to 9 and a half, and you're like, okay, we didn't get any points. Now, now we're kind of screwed. But the one, I don't know. There was a situation, he was like fourth and three. He settles. First of all, he should have ran the ball. When it when it's third and three, run the ball. Because you know that you should, in your mindset, should be like, we're going two downs here. We need six. And he kicked a field goal. Like, he got it to like, I think, 15 points or something. And I was just like, dude, you're done. The Chiefs came down, scored a touchdown. I was like, the game's over. Um, I think Kansas City's going to beat Tampa Bay. But... If Miguel, my buddy Miguel, listens to this, he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. Um, I'm 0-2, my last two bets against Tampa Bay. I thought they would lose both games. I didn't I didn't think they'd beat the Saints. Didn't think they'd beat the Packers. They won both. Spreads the same thing. Another three points. It's like begging me to bet. I already took Kansas City. Uh if Fisher's if Fisher's out, I that could that could be a factor. But I just I don't see Tampa Bay's secondary holding up. Tyreek Hill's going to eat him up. Um, Devin White's not really good at covering, you know, in space. I mean, he's a hell of a linebacker, like throwing to the running backs and stuff. But 
Chiefs don't really throw to running backs. They throw maybe to Tyreek Hill, like kind of swing passes to him. And if you get him matched up on Devin White, he's going to make a move. It's going to be a completion at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be a gain of 10, 12 yards every single time. He's going to make a move on that guy. Uh, Kelsey should eat like he always does. Hill, whatever. I mean, I just, I think Kansas City, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if Tampa Bay can, uh, can go down the field and match them point for point. Tampa Bay, I thought they ran the ball way too much against Green Bay. I was like, what do you, you keep running on first down. What are you, what are you doing? But that didn't put you in third and longs, I guess. I mean, you'd get like two yards and be second and eight. Then you kind of swing one. It would always be like third and six, third and five. I guess that's better than being in third and eights because if you throw. But I, I, I thought they wasted a lot of runs to Fournette. If you do that against Kansas City, you're fucking toast. Uh, Chris Jones is probably the most underrated defensive player in football. I don't know why he doesn't get the hype that to me that he deserves. I mean, an inside pass rusher, he's always getting pressure, it seems like. And when you get inside pass rush, that's that's as good as it gets. I mean, Aaron Donald, give me an inside pass rusher way before the, the guy on the edge. Because the guy on the edge, you could just step up, you know, or you could chip. Yeah, you could say, well, we could double team with the guard. Yeah, but if you're using the guard there, it's easy to blitz off the edge or blitz inside and, you know. Um, I, just, I just think the Chiefs will overcome them. And it's, I just feel like it'll be hard. Unless Tampa Bay just gets the, the front four just uh, almost like when the Giants beat um, New England those two times. The front four would just get a bunch of pressure and Brady couldn't. Couldn't do much. That'd be the only chance, in my opinion, how how Kansas City doesn't cover and win. Uh, moving over to the Lions, my Lions have made a lot of noise this week. The biggest is going to be that they're going to move on from Stafford. I'm the biggest Stafford homer. Uh, I don't think I'm biased. I don't. I don't think necessarily. I don't think homer is the right word. I just. I feel like he's the most un, unappreciated, underrated quarterback I think I've or player I've ever seen in sports and really my entire life. The Lions are piss poor of an organization. They are the goddamn fucking worst. Stafford has had, I think he's played 12 years. It's either 11 or 12. He's had one rushing attack where they ranked higher than 23rd. And that year, they ranked 17th. I mean, that is a god-awful joke. So he's never had an average running attack. He's never had top 16 running attack. He's had one top 10 defense. And when I look at top 10 defense, I just go by points per game. I mean, who cares about yards? Just are you giving up points? So he's had one top 10 defense. And the year he had a top 10 defense, they went 11-5. and Um, Now, they got beat in the playoffs, but they got screwed on about, like, 15 calls in the in the Cowboys game. Um, everyone's like, well, he had Calvin Johnson, so obviously you had a good offense. And it's like, dude, they've had terrible head coaching, terrible offensive coordinators. I mean, the worst of the worst. I mean, Jim Caldwell, this, this guy had three winning seasons out of four with Jim Caldwell. How many quarterbacks are doing that? Oh, well, Peyton Manning did. Yeah, Peyton Manning's one, an all-time great. And also, they had it humming when, when Jim Caldwell got there. So it was hard to make a huge decline with Jim Caldwell. And Peyton Manning basically calls his own plays. He's, he's, he's on a different planet. 
Any team, I think if San Francisco, the Colts, New Orleans, I don't New Orleans is kind of fucked on the cap, so I, I don't know how many guys they're gonna lose. But let's say, let's say the Colts or San Francisco get Stafford. Either one of them gets Stafford, I'm putting money on that team to win a Super Bowl. Because I think people are gonna come this time next year, I think people are gonna be like, fuck, dude, Stafford's pretty fucking good. All these all the media and all the idiots on Twitter that have always just bashed him and like, oh, he only gets yards in the fourth quarter, which is a is a false narrative. There's they show uh there's a guy, there's a Detroit writer or media guy that showed the stats. Like his stats in the second quarter are very similar to his stats. Actually, they're even better, I think, than his fourth quarter stats, like yards in the like per quarter, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, in the first quarter, you're not going to throw for as many yards because it's the beginning of the game. You're going to try to establish a running game. And third quarter coming out of the half, like what have you. But I think his second and fourth quarter numbers are very similar. And everyone's like, oh, he gets down three touchdowns and he gets garbage points. No, he doesn't. He has a lot of game-winning drives. Like One of the reasons why the Lions, I mean, these last three years they have top 10 picks, but... For years, the Lions have always won like this, like nine and seven, seven and nine type of thing. And they've had, in my opinion, bottom five rosters where Stafford just is so good, he he would get them wins. And he never really won against teams that had winning records. He has like this terrible record against them. But I always feel like it was the coaching and never having a, always having a bottom five roster. Like their rosters are terrible. Not even just that. It's it's more of coaching. The rosters, I don't know, probably most years are like 23rd best, 25th best, somewhere around there. It's not necessarily bottom five. Some some years it was bottom five. And then there was like one year where I was like, dude, it's probably top like 12 rosters, somewhere around there. 12, maybe at best eight. But they went 11 and five that year because their defense was fucking good. They had Sue. Uh, DeAndre Levy was a really good linebacker. Slay was a really good corner. Sue was like the best defensive player in the league that year, 2014. Uh, Cliff Averill, uh, Nick Fairley was really good. Uh, the safety from the Texans, Quinn was good. They had a good roster then. But fuck, man, most years this roster has been terrible. And you always hear like stupid-ass motherfuckers that are just like, well, you got Megatron. Dude, Megatron's one of the, one of the greatest weapons you could ever have and but the lions like if you listen to dan orlowski dan orlowski said when he was there in detroit was like the coaching staff would be like if this isn't open just throw it up to throw it up to calvin johnson like they're just dumb like they never never really had a number two receiver to compliment calvin johnson never had a running game to compliment calvin johnson and stafford um the one year that they had, you know, Golden Tate, and I thought, fuck, dude, Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson, what a great duo it's going to be. Look, they went 11-5, and five, and then Calvin Johnson kind of was getting banged up, and his, his fingers were all fucked up, and his he, all, he, he barely, like that year, I think he practiced an entire week, like twice. So like 14 of the weeks, I think he like was out for at least one of the practices. Well, dude, you're just not going to be the same. When a guy's always banged up like that. And it just sucks. It was like kind of when he, when he started declining that you finally got a good receiver like Golden Tate to come over there. Um, 
people argued with me at the beginning of the year or middle of the year when I when I started suggesting like, hey man, the Lions need to trade Stafford. And some people were like, oh, you're, well, you're going to get like a second rounder for him, third rounder. I mean, I saw one idiot, uh, you know, oh, you're going to get a sixth rounder for him just to get rid of the contract. I'm like, some of you people are just dumb, like really just dumb. Not because you don't agree with me, but you're going to get a first rounder for Stafford. Okay. And you, you might, you possibly, most likely you can get more. Like if San Francisco gives the, the Lions the 12th pick in the draft and then they gave like a third rounder, I mean, I'm in. I see a lot of people saying you're going to get the 12th pick and a second rounder. And if Detroit does that, like I studied, I was off this week. I studied Trey Lance and I'm halfway in on, on fields because I started thinking, I'm like, look, I was anticipating they were going to move on from Stafford. And the reason why I anticipated that is Dan Campbell got a six-year deal and Holmes, the GM, got a five-year deal. Those are pretty long deals. You're not going to give a head coach six years and a, and a GM five years and tell them, hey, you better turn this around in two to three years, otherwise you're out, okay? Now, if, if they did that, let's say they signed, you know, four-year deals, then it would be like, well, you better turn this around in two to three years, otherwise we're getting rid of you. But by giving them six and five years, you're basically saying you're getting two free years, and the third year you better show some some pretty good improvement, and then the fourth year if you if if nothing's done then we'll get rid of you, but you're basically getting four years, and when you, when you're telling the front office or you're telling the organization that you're getting four years, Stafford's gone. So I, I, I once they I saw six and five year deals I was like Stafford's gone. And I tried to explain that to one of my buddies on Twitter, you know, who's a Lions fan, lives in Detroit, and a huge staffer guy. And he was, you know, kind of upset at me and stuff. And I was like, dude, he's gone. Like, and then it was funny. It was like an hour later. It's like Schefter reported like the tweet, like, oh, they agreed that they're going to move on from him. So it, you look at it for the Lions' sake is, okay, now we're drafting a quarterback at seven. Or do you got better trade up? And I started thinking, shit, man, at seven's a bad spot because I was thinking prior to this week, I was thinking the only worthy guys, obviously, Lawrence is gone at one. And then Wilson's going to be, he's going to be gone in the top five. So I was thinking, what's the chance that Field's going to be there at seven? And I started thinking it's not good. Like it's a very slim chance he's going to be there at seven. But then I studied Trey Lance because I, I didn't want Trey Lance prior to this week. I was like, there's no way I'm going to take a fucking quarterback who's only played one year at North Dakota State or whatever it is, South Dakota. I think it's North Dakota. I watched about eight or nine. I watched about seven or eight of his games. That kid's good. That kid's really good. I was so impressed with him. I'm only like four games in on fields. I would rank, I would rank Trey Lance ahead of fields i was so impressed at how poised he is and how athletic he is how he could run and how his arm isn't great like it's not a josh allen stafford mahomes aaron Rodgers arm but it's going to be in the next category the next you know notch of quarterbacks um is it as good as herbert's or anything like that I, no i think herbert i mean <laughs> that guy's fucking phenomenal um, 
but it's a it, it's a really good arm. It's like if I was grading it, I would say like a B plus, maybe A minus arm. And then his accuracy is like an A plus. His poise is like an A plus. Um, the biggest concern I would have is he plays at a small college and he's playing against guys are wide open. Like whoever the offensive coordinator or head coach is at that school is really setting up their players really nicely, like scheme wise. And guys are wide open sometimes. Um, so I feel like their talent is way better than the, than the talent that they're playing against. But with that said, he makes so many throws. Where you're like, wow, that's a nice throw. Or the part that impressed me the most was how big and like how fast he is. The guy can run, man. And you need quarterbacks who can scramble and can run now. I'm not saying you can't win without one. I mean, Tom Brady's in the, in the Super Bowl. Obviously he can't move. So you could definitely win without one. But you want someone who is mobile. Aaron Rodgers is mobile. Mahomes is mobile. Josh Allen's mobile. You got, you got three of the final four that were mobile quarterbacks that can run when they need to. It's third and seven, and hey, the play's dead. Got to find a play. Drew Brees can't do that. Phillip Rivers can't do that. Stafford can't do that for the most part. Matt Ryan, I mean, he's, he's like glued to the ground. He can't do that. He fucking sucks. Um. You know, Watson and Wilson, those type of guys. Obviously, Lamar, but Lamar's, I don't, I don't put him in with these quarterbacks. Um, but, yeah, it's like a third and eight. Lance can scramble and get a first down easily. It's a third and two. You could run Lance, like fake fake the dive and run him. or Or just... Snap it to him and have the fullback or whoever in motion and pulling and just run him. I mean, he's that big. He's is he Cam Newton big? No, but he's you know probably he's probably bigger than Deshaun Watson. He's more physical. Um, he's not as elusive. He's really fast. I couldn't believe how fast he is. Unless the fucking kids he's playing against, which yeah, I mean, the competition he's playing against isn't as fast, but. I was really impressed with them. So I think all four of those guys for Detroit are worthy of the seventh pick of the draft. And you just think of it draft-wise, if the Jets don't trade for Watson, which they could, I don't even know if number two they take a quarterback. They prob- they should because Darnold's fucking sucks. They should go Wilson. So let's say they went Wilson, Lawrence went one. You would have number three with Miami. If I was Miami, I would take I would take Lance, but Miami's not going to do that because they took uh, Tua, who's fucking sucks. Last year at five, they made a huge mistake. Should have taken Herbert. Not that I said that. I mean, I'm, I'm just playing now about it. I mean, I, I, I didn't watch too much of Tua. I thought he was a very tough evaluation because guys were just so wide open. It's like, Jesus Christ. Um, O-line was great. Everything. I was I was I wasn't like hundred percent on Herbert. I wasn't hundred. I didn't I didn't evaluate them enough to give too good of, of takes or opinions on it. If you ask Chris Curran, a pretty good guy on Twitter, he's a Charger guy. He asked me to kind of look up Herbert, and I said, "Yeah, I, I think he could be good." I didn't think he'd be like this. Um. If I were the Dolphins, let's say Wilson went two, I would take Lance at three, but they're not going to. They're going to either take a receiver, take an old lineman, 
or tried to trade back, in my opinion. I don't, with Tua there. Let's say they trade for Watson. Then the Texans are at three, and the Texans would take Lancer Fields, and then Atlanta would take Lancer Fields. So the first four picks would be quarterbacks. But that's only if the Jets and Miami trades with the Texans. So in that scenario, I think that's highly unlikely to happen for both of those things to happen. So let's just say the Dolphins take Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith at number three. Then you're looking at Atlanta. Atlanta will take, in my opinion, Trey Lance is way better of a prospect for an Arthur Smith kind of bootleg, running in a running bootleg type of plays. You want the more mobile quarterback. So I think they would take um, Trey Lance there for Atlanta. Although Fields is from Atlanta, maybe they want to go the hometown thing. I mean, that, the, I, th- I think they would go Trey Lance. Five is Cincinnati. They're going to either take Slater from Northwestern or Sewell, whichever offensive tackle they grade higher. I was watching Slater. <laughs> that kid can play. That kid is a monster. Just look at the game against Chase Young and just look at his versatility, how he can pull from a tackle. And Sewell is the same way. I mean, I watched two games of Sewell, and I was both of those guys, I was like, Jesus Christ. Both of those guys are going to be Phenomenal tackles. So they're going to take a tackle there. And then the Eagles, there's no way they're going to take a quarterback at six because they fucked up, you know, paying Wentz. And then they took, they fucked up, doubled down and fucked up again by taking Hurts in the second round. So they'll take, you know, a receiver or a defensive lineman or an old lineman there. Um, either way, they're not taking a quarterback. Then you got Detroit. Now, where Detroit could get scared is do we sit at seven or do we have to trade up? Because Carolina's at eight, Denver's at nine, and pending what San Francisco does, is at 12. Could they trade up? So in all those situations, though, Detroit's going to get a first-rounder for Stafford. They're going to have the most ammunition from pick seven and further down to trade up. So let's say, um, I don't know, Cincinnati. Because if Cincinnati loves both of those tackles, that would be the perfect you know, s- spots to flip, or or Miami. Miami should be like, oh, we like Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. Um, we could get them either at three or seven or, or get the get the other one at seven. Um, do we flip with Detroit? I mean, that would be perfect. And Detroit will have the ammunition, <coughs> in my opinion, after the Stafford trade. So I think, I think Detroit will get their quarterback. Um, I like what Detroit... I don't know on the GM and head coach. I don't. I, I don't know. I know a lot of Charger fans were giving me shit about Anthony Lynn. I kind of like the Anthony Lynn hire. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's already had uh, head coaching experience. He obviously, he sucked as a head coach, but the main thing that he sucked at was was clock management. I think he's fine calling plays. Everyone's like, no, he just runs the ball every time. Look, yeah, he runs the ball too much. I agree with you on that. But Herbert had a good year. You got to give him some credit for that. You can't just make it like Herbert, you know, was everything. I mean, look at him at Oregon. Although Oregon's coaching staff was just god awful. Cost me five hundred dollars. My uh, that Oregon wasn't going to make the playoffs. I put down uh, fifty bucks at at uh, ten to one odds for them to make the playoffs, the college football playoffs. And I thought Crystal Ball fucking he just ran the ball too much, but. 
you got to give him some credit for that. You can't just be like, no, no. I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. So I think he'll be okay there. But the thing that the reason why I like the hire is because he's been a head coach before. And Dan Campbell, I mean, technically he's been a head coach, but not for a whole season in this, you know, I think that helps out. Uh, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator for Detroit, I don't know if he's going to be good. Who knows? But I really like getting John Dorsey to be like the assistant general manager. I mean, John Dorsey has built the Cleveland Browns roster, and he built the Kansas City roster. And those rosters are minimum top seven rosters in, in all of football. I think the Browns roster is loaded, and I think the Chiefs roster is loaded. He's going to take gambles. I mean, he drafted Tyreek Hill. He drafted Kareem Hunt. Um, he's going to take gambles on guys, but, you know, he drafted that one guy. What's that guy's name? Callaway from Florida for the uh, Browns. I mean, that one didn't pan out because he was a knucklehead. So you're going to get – but he he's going to get him talent in Detroit. I mean, that guy was a great GM. It's just he took too many gambles where it made the organization look bad with, you know, some bad people, guys with off-the-field issues. Um, but I like that. You got home. I like that Detroit's doing a full rebuild. Being a Padre fan, most of you are that listen to me. Remember when the Padres would go into the half-ass rebuild or the Chase Headley era or the Will Venable area? Well, Chase Headley, that one season, had that huge second half. And I remember he had like two or three years left on his deal. And I remember in the offseason, I was like, we have to get rid of him. Our team fucking sucks. If we got rid of him, we were going to get Two top 100 prospects, minimum two, you know, two in, in, in like a throw-in or like a, a decent other prospect. You're going to get three good players or three somewhat good players and hopefully two of them hit and you're going to be, that's what you had to do. But they were so scared back then to like get rid of their best player and have this terrible roster going into opening day. Well, you were going to suck anyways. Who cares if you win 75 games or 62? Who gives a flying fuck? You know, as long as you have a plan two, three, four, five years from now that you're going to be good. Well, look at the Padres now. When the Padres, when Preller went, he went all in 2015, but the 2016, the international draft they had in like July and then that off season, he fucking changed everything. Right when he traded Kimbrell, I was like, okay, he's going full rebuild. Like the Kimball trade didn't necessarily work out, but you got Margo, you got Logan Allen, you got Javi Guerra, and uh, the clown that likes to play video games, whatever that guy was. Who fucking cares? But yeah, technically it, you could have gotten better, but I remember once he did that, I was like, dude, this, this is what you got to do. Pomeranz had a good year in 2016, he flips him and he gets Espinosa. And you say, oh, the trades that you just mentioned really haven't panned out. Well, sure. But you keep getting asset after asset, and you and you start picking high. You get Gore, um, you get Abrams, and you build his form system. And then now look what he's doing. Full rebuilds. When you go full in, to me, those things work. And you could tell me, well, the 76ers, the tank hasn't necessarily worked. Well, whatever. The NBA sucks anyways. I don't know why people watch that sport. The sport sucks. But for the most part, you look at the Padres – you look at Houston Astros. You look at the Miami Dolphins. Like, that shit works. And that's what the, I'm glad finally the Lions are like. Because, look, if let's just say they kept Stafford. He's got two years left on his deal. You could tell me, look, the Lions offense is pretty good. It's only missing, like, one 
receiver to make it like a top five offense. I, I could believe that. I could say if you got Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith at the seventh pick and you brought back Galladay, the Lions offense could be a top five offense. But good luck stopping anyone with that defense. You could be the Tennessee Titans this year. Sure. But you're not going to win a Super Bowl where you got a bottom five defense. It's just you're not going to do that. And I can see the Lions being a tremendous offense. But by letting Stafford go and getting rid of his cap, you get some cap room, and you also you're going to get a, a quarterback at seven or trade up and get a quarterback, and you're not going to have to pay that guy much. You're, your cap's going to be way better for the next four to five years, four years. The fifth year is basically like a franchise tag, almost, or close to it. So you're going to have four years of, basically, you can build a team around that quarterback and have space and you get drafts and you're going to pick probably in the top 10 next year, you know, and you go from there. It's just way easier to do it that way. What the Dolphins did is correct. Even the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans in the Deshaun Watson situation, even if Watson didn't want to get traded, if I were them, I would trade him. Go get three first rounders or two first rounders and three second rounders, whatever, or two second rounders and a fourth and something. I mean, just go stockpile picks because you have no chance with Deshaun Watson in the cap situation that they're in and the defense that they have. They don't have any good young defensive players that I could think of, and they don't really have any good young offensive players except for Watson. What do they have? They have a few good old linemen, Tunzel. I mean, the Tunzel trade was a disaster. The Kenny Steele's trade's a disaster. It's just a shit shitty situation because you let a you let a head coach pretend to be a GM. It's just a joke. It's a fucking joke. All right, move over to the Padres. I love the Joe Musgrove uh, trade. I mean, I love it. And I've said this on Periscope. I said it on Twitter, so I might be repeating myself for some of you that follow me or give a rat's ass what I think, which is, I'm sure, a very slim amount of people. But four or five years from now, when we look back at this Joe Musgrove trade, and let's say Hudson Head is, you know, a really good center fielder for the Pirates and he's like a fringe all-star. I don't think he'll ever be an all-star. Let's just say he's a fringe all-star. And let's say Musgrove, you know, got hurt for half a season and he pitched a year and a half. And his ERA combined two years was 4.2. And you're like, dude, he wasn't even that good for us. He was just okay. And you say, Jesus, we gave up Hudson Head for him. Don't look at the trade just that way. Look at the trade of how did Morahan develop, how did Weathers develop, and how did Gore develop. Because to me, getting Musgrove helps that development for those three guys. And it helps it significantly. Morahan now, hopefully, I mean, I'm assuming, will start in AAA or AA. And then by mid-May or mid-June, come up and be a long reliever. So like, because you... You have to almost like buy innings this year. And what I mean by that is not everyone's going to have to. You can't. I don't think you could throw anyone 200 innings this year because they didn't get to pitch enough innings last year. Their, their arms just aren't going to be ready for it. You can't throw 70, 80 innings last year and then, up. Oh, we need you for 200. You can't just like double or more than double it. I could see people going over 150 innings, but you're going to have to buy innings. And by not having to use Morahan or Weathers, or Gore as the number five starter, to me is huge. And you would have had to if you didn't have Musgrove. Hopefully, Lament can pitch this year, because if he can, 
I think, honestly, if Lament's 100% and healthy, I think we're better than the Dodgers. I think, on paper, I think we are. But until we find out on that, and then even if he's hurt, I think you can find enough innings now because you got Joe Musgrove to finish a year and you're not limping into the season. No more bullpen games and all that bullshit. Um, I think you'll you'll have enough innings to get through, cross the line with. But the finish line, um, that's how huge I think the Musgrove signing is. I think it helps you even next year. I think Paddock's going to eat up some innings this year. Like, I can see Paddock's throwing seven innings, and you're like, well, he gave up four or five runs. Well, he got you another inning, you know, like in a, in a better situation in a year not coming off of COVID and still basically being involved in COVID. Then probably, a you know, if we had a normal 162-game season, then there's going to be a game that he probably pitched six innings and gave up three runs, and you were like, okay, that's that's good enough. This year, he might pitch six innings, give up three runs, and you're like, let's try to get one more inning. Let's try to squeeze one more inning out of you to help the bullpen and everything else. So, um, stuff like that. So, when you evaluate the trade, I hope people don't look at it two, three years from now and go, oh, Musgrove was just okay. Well, how did Weathers develop? How did Gore develop? Because I think with Musgrove, it helps their development. I think the Padres are in a great situation. What do they do for the closer situation? I don't know. I think you have enough bullpen guys right now to get you across the line, but to the finish line. But I think it'd be nice to get a a closer for the playoffs. You know, I'd rather have that significant closer. So I don't think you have to get it before the season starts because I know you can get it anytime, you know, at the all-star break or trading deadline. I think there's always someone that – has a breakout season for like the Marlins or the Pirates and the Reds, some some shitty ass organization that has a closer that's pretty good, and they're always willing to trade those guys because they're hit or miss and they're relievers, and you could trade for one of those types at the All Star break, and you you know we have the capital, we have enough, <laughs> we have a lot minor leaguers. Even though if you look on Twitter, oh my God, they gave up their whole farm for Clevenger. Oh my God, they gave up their whole farm for Darvish. Oh my God, they gave up their whole farm for Snell. Oh my God, they gave up their whole farm for Musgrove. Even though we still have a top five farm system, and we and we only gave up what one top five prospect in our whole system in all those trades. Um, so you could do that. Um, can Pomeranz be a closer? Absolutely, I think he's. What number two, number three reliever in all baseball, but can he close three games in a row? I don't know. I mean, that's something that they need to figure out. Um, I think Pagan's fine for the eighth inning. I know a lot of people don't like him. I think he'll have a better year than he had last year. I think Tampa Bay knew something on him that he probably wasn't healthy. I think they knew Fam wasn't necessarily healthy in Tampa Bay. I know they're slow stroking themselves, like, oh, we pulled a fast one on. Well. Okay, you gave us Cronenworth, so you could go suck a, suck a fat one. Um, they always think like, oh, we just fucking ripped you off. Uh, okay. Um, so I think we'll be fine, like, bullpen-wise right now. I think Adams is going to be really good for us. I know some people aren't really too high on him. I think him from Seattle is going to be really good. But I like how someone on my Periscope was like, well, Adams isn't really a starting inning type of guy. And I agree with that. That's, that was a good point. 
that he's more of situational come in. Okay, they got two right-handers coming up. Bring his ass in, throw two, throw sliders low and away and get him out. I agree with that. I don't know if he's necessarily, hey, just start the sixth inning, he's fine. Uh, Pierce Johnson I still like. Jose Castillo is a wild card. We'll see what we got in him. I, I just think we have enough guys. I, well, I think we'll be good, even if we don't. Would I sign Rosenthal? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would. I don't know what, I don't know how much more money they could spend. Uh, Siler, it, it doesn't seem like you know. I, it seems like Siler can almost go to the luxury tax and and you know get there. So, I think we're gonna be good, Padres. And it's let's say we don't win the World Series this year. I still think we're we got another three to five year window. Um, I think I think you'll see a Tatis extension before the season. So, I put I put a hundred dollars when I was in, up in Vegas on the Padres and win the World Series. So, I like their chances. Like I said, if you got if Lament's healthy. I think we got the best team in baseball. If he's not, I still think you go into a series with Darvish and Snell and either Musgrove or, or Paddock at three. I mean, Paddock could Paddock could bounce back. I wouldn't be surprised he bounced back this year. A lot of people are down on him. I, I don't like him. I don't like his attitude. But I wouldn't be surprised he bounced back. I don't think he'll be like he was his rookie season, but I don't think he'll be as bad as he was last year. He could bounce back. I mean, I thought he was always going to be a three or a four. If he pitches like a three, I mean, that's pretty good going to the playoffs. You got two aces and then, you know, not that great of a number three. But I think you can match up against anyone. The Profar signing, I didn't really like it because it was a three-year deal. I thought it was a little rich. But look, we're on the verge of winning a World Series. You got a, you got a World Series roster. You're going to make some decisions that are – most years you're like, nah, I'm not paying that guy that much money. Maybe just to hopefully get us a wild card. You don't do that. You don't do those kind of contracts because then it will hurt you in years two and three. But when you got a chance to win a World Series, I mean, he could have got a three-year $70 million contract. I could fucking care less. You get one World Series in and he helped you. I could care less. Just get that one World Series. That's all I care about. All right, then. Hopefully you guys have fun on this podcast. Um you got any questions or, hey, talk about this more or you suck or whatever. All right, till the next time. Later, boys.